Corey. What? We got a big problem. We got a major problem, man. I, I can't believe we screwed up this bad. Listen, I listened back to the tape of our first episode. Thank God I didn't post it yet because the episode was fine, but we sounded like complete assholes in the intro. You know, like when we right before we did the commentary, we were talking about how we knew each other and how we used to work in the video store business. We really screwed that up, man. We sounded like complete dicks. We were mean spirited. We were jerks. So I'm actually not going to not post that. I'll post that. That's not a problem. But I'll just post it as our second episode. I say it's got to be probably the second or the third if you want to get any kind of continuity out of this show. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't mind having people find out how big of assholes we really are. I'm not trying to hide that from the people. But you only get a chance to make a good first impression. You only you only get that one time. So, listen, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I need you to trust me on this one, okay? I found a homeless guy next to the dumpster where I live. I talked to him. He gave me this metal box with all these wires and shit hanging out of it. It's a time machine. Now, I had to hand over the keys to my car to get this from him, but I think it's going to be a worthwhile investment. Listen, I know it sounds crazy. But we're, you and me, we need to go back in time a week so we can re-record our first episode so all the fans of the 1980s movie Graveyard will actually be on board and not think we're complete dicks. Are you willing to trust me and do this? I am, but if we're going to go back in time, we got to take off our clothes and do the Terminator. That's right. That makes perfect sense. Time travel, Terminator, time travel. Not only that, but Terminator is actually, according to IMDb, the most popular movie of the 1980s. We're so stupid. How come we didn't do this for our first episode to begin with? Damn. I'm so stupid. How come I've been doing shows in my underwear? <laughs> All right. Strip down and let's get next to this time machine. From what I remember, the Terminator, I think you have to get in like a three-point stance or something. Come on. Yeah, I got I to gotta get down here like Mongo. Like Mongo and Michael. All right, let's go back in time. Welcome to the exciting world of the movies. Smoking is not permitted in this auditorium. It's the law. Certificates are available at the box office. Thanks for helping us keep the theater clean. As you exit the auditorium, please deposit litter in trash receptacles in the lobby. Please be considerate and don't talk during the show. Hello, fans, and welcome to the first ever episode of the 1980s Movie Graveyard Podcast. Now, I know most of you know us from our wildly popular Facebook page, don't they, Corey? Oh, they have to. And I don't know if it's something with my head or I've been hitting it a lot, but something about this seems vaguely familiar yet different. It does. It's like we've done this before, but now everything's changed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so... We were having such a good time curating all the great 80s pictures and videos and facts and box office records and pumping them out to you on Facebook. We said, let's expand the fun a little bit more. Let's delve into the world of podcasting, something you and me have actually never attempted before, have we? No, no, not at all. No. I can only hope that we can be as good as Gary C. and the Moose, who 
seem to be very conspicuous by their absence lately. Exactly. So let's go ahead and real briefly introduce ourselves since nobody's ever heard us on a podcast before. My name is The Goat, and I'm here with, who am I here with? Corey G. That's right. And we're bringing you the 1980s movie graveyard. So you know what the 1980s movie graveyard Facebook page is most likely at this point. But what is the podcast going to be? Well, it's basically, it's what any, you know, any 1980s movie fan does. You sit down, you throw a DVD in the player while your friends are around, and you start watching a movie that you've seen 20, 30 times before. But it's just more fun to watch it with your friends. Ain't that right, Corey? Oh, of course it is. All right. Especially these 80s movies, because 80s, you know, the era of excess. Exactly. It just, you know, over the top, the women with the hairstyles, the cocaine, the violence, the comedies were much funnier. Everything was bigger and better in the 80s, I would say. Oh, 100%. All right. So today for our first episode, we're going to be doing The Terminator. I'm going to go put it in the DVD play right now. All right. Here we go. And so everybody at home can follow along with me and Corey G here. We'll do a countdown so you guys can keep up. But if you don't want to keep up, we're go- you know this isn't going to be a play-by-play type of commentary. We're just going to you know vaguely reference things that we see going on screen, and then we're going to talk a lot more about you know the director, the stars, the writing, the influence this movie has had on the last thirty years of filmmaking. So right now I have the DVD paused at. Well, actually, the, the, the Blu-ray, but I'm sure the DVD is the same thing. Go to the Ryan's picture release logo at the beginning. On the Blu-ray, it's 23 seconds in. Have it paused. It'll be the outer space-looking background. It says, you know, Ryan, a picture's release. I want to count to one, two, three. And when I say go, hit play on your remote. All right. Are you ready, Corey? I'm ready. All right. One, two, three, go. All right. And we're off on our way. Whatever happened to Orion Pictures? They, unfortunately, they went bankrupt, which sucked because yeah. they actually put out a lot of good movies. This is a James Cameron film. I think a lot of people forget that. Yeah, his first real film. Everybody says, oh, his first film was Piranha 2, but he was actually fired in the making of it. So how can you count it as his first movie when he didn't finish making it at all? Now, I got a question for you. This, now, to keep this in mind, This that, that year... Mm-hmm. It was 2029. 20, That's right. Just remember that for later. It's always a question I've had in the last 20-something years. 30 years. And here we have, and i got to say, this this sequence is still really impressive with the miniatures and stuff here. I mean, it may, like, I don't know, like, the scale of the robot, you know, well, the hunter droids or whatever here. It's really good, like, like in these backgrounds for how low-budget this movie is. Like, James Cameron was one of those guys started out in special effects, uh, working for Roger Corman. And you could tell he, you know, the models, everything, he put it all on the line in the beginning here. You know, the thing, um, out of all the... Uh, Terminator is a movie. Don't get me wrong, I thought 3 was kind of fun. Salvation, I didn't totally hate. It was it killed an hour and a half for me. Haven't seen Genesis says of this recording, but... Uh, Unfortunately, I have. This is... This is a series that, just because of continuity and continuation, really needed to stop after part two because everything they've done since just makes everything make less and less sense. Yeah, because part two, it actually kept you know with the same timeline, the same continuity. It was just was a continuation. Everything else tries to say like, oh, the timeline that you thought was going to happen that was set up in the first two films, it's all different now, and we're changing it. And like 
I feel like once you get into that bullshit kind of realm of, like, we can change everything to the point that now Genesis completely retrofits everything you've ever known about the Terminator and changes it, like, there's no, it's really not a real series anymore, I don't think. Well, this first one, I think what I like so much about it, it has that feeling of, um, as you watch it, it's got, like, a very claustrophobic kind of feel, like a feeling of impending doom. This one is almost more like a, a stalker kind of a horror movie. Yeah, like, like honestly, you know, James Cameron, when he made T2, was at a much different place in his career and wanted to intentionally make a big summer film. People forget the first Terminator film was not trying to be a big summer film. It was it was a small and very, you know, low budget, but very intense uh, science fiction thriller piece, you know? I didn't think it was a huge, huge hit. Wasn't it kind of find a, a one of those found their home truly on like cable? Yeah, I mean it. It did make a nice little profit in the theater, but it wasn't like a. It was it, it, by no means was it one of the top grocers of the year or anything like that. It was just cable. It just played forever and ever and ever and on videotape. Yeah, that's, that's how I saw it. I saw it on HBO. I think like on a Saturday or Sunday night. Yeah, here we here we have like I always just thought this this opening was great. Like, and I have to say, I think James Cameron was on, I mean, this is his first film, but he was clearly already on top of his game. Just the shots, everything shot so awesome. Uh, Look, 80s, 80s, and it's wet. Exactly. Even even the sewer truck, or the garbage truck is wet. We have to keep track of that now in every movie we we talk about on this podcast. The streets or vehicles are wet. wet. I love this guy's performance, too. What the hell? What the hell? Like, maybe it's just because I've seen this movie so much, but this, this, like, there's so many parts that every time I watch this, like, I don't realize it, but I remember, like, every single line, every single little part. What the hell? Watching this on Blu-ray does make this lightning look really bad. Well, it's a cartoon, basically, is how they did it, right? I have no idea. Uh, There's uh, uh, Arnold, his... And what, contrary to another thing... Not his first film, not even his no. first starring role, just... Uh, this was after Conan. Yeah, and he had done Hercules in New York, he had done The Villain. There was a handful of shit that he did before those. I thought in terms of his physique, though, this is my favorite Arnold look right here. Oh, this is the... As a, speaking as a guy that works out, this is the kind of body that, you know, that you want. I mean, it's yeah. uh, symmetric-wise, I mean, it's, it's the perfect physique. And that's the thing is, like, there's a lot of even bigger roided out guys now. Like, even just regular actors are really roided out now. But, like... It's gross looking, though. Yeah, where Arnold, like, he looked huge and impressive, but he looked functional, too. He wasn't, like, veins popping out of his stomach and shit. No. Like, this whole opening when he shows up naked and stuff, the punks here with uh, Bill Paxton and that other guy that's always playing the villain. Like, I don't know, just the opening of this movie, it starts out, like... It's just so focused and it's so intense. Like most most directors, they don't have this like you know where every shot counts, every line is entertaining. Like they don't, you know. It's like the Terminator comes up and you know he's telling, he's like mimicking the lines that the punks are saying to him, but then he immediately asks for their clothes and shit. It's like you actually can see that this like right away this robot is learning. You know, mm-hmm. this is his. I know this is really a perfect part for him. It is. And, like, I mean, I love T2, and we all love Arnold, but as far as his portrayal of the Terminator, he was the most, you know, robot-like in this first one, but in a good way, not oh, just yeah. in a stiff way, but in a really menacing, you know, like, 
inhuman way. It's like in part two. He starts getting He doesn't corn. even kill people anymore either. Yeah. Whereas this one, he literally ripped the, like a guy's like heart or spleen out. I've still never really understood why they had to come through nude other than just to get the butt shot of Arnold. Yeah, supposedly they explain it just the way the technology works is the, because um, I guess technically it has to like take you apart and then reassemble you somewhere. So for some reason only, li- you know, something surrounded in living tissue works. What I don't get is in 2029, that's when they sent Arnold back. Mm-hmm. And he's a T, what is he, a T-100? T-800. He's a T-800. Yet in the part two, which from the year 2018, they send back a T-1000. Why wouldn't they have sent back like a T-1500 in this movie? I don't think they ever say what year they sent the other one back to. Yeah, it was 2018. Was it? Yeah, they made a mistake there. A faux pas, if you will. Well, thank, well, thankfully, we never have to live with that mistake on this uh, podcast because we only cover 80s films, right? Terminator 2 wasn't 90s, was it? 91, cousin. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right, because he was promoted on Arsenio Hall, and that idiot didn't make the air until the 90s. By the way, this is the real Kyle Reese, not Anton Yelchin, not Jai Courtney. Michael Bean is the one and only true Kyle Reese here. Hey, buddy, you know did you just see a real bright light? <laughs> he, This guy that played Kyle Reese, he doesn't really go on. He never really went on to a lot of fame. Mm-mm. He was in a couple Which more big movies, but he wasn't like the famous guy in them, you know. No, where Arnold went on to superstardom, went on to yeah. governorship. Yeah, Linda Hamilton really never went on to much either, though. No, it was. I always thought it was strange that as big as the Terminator was, it, I guess because, like you said, it was a slow success that built up on cable or whatever. Like, really, the the thing she followed this up with was that. That boring ass uh, Beauty and the Beast show where Ron Perlman dressed as a lion. Do you remember that from uh, the eighties? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Now, fans here, uh, Kyle Reese, um, you know, he 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 doesn't really attack, but he grabs the police officer and asks him, you know, what the year is because he's trying to figure out what year he came back to to make sure he's in the right spot. And this this officer has like a kind of deep voice. If you actually look at the theatrical trailer. This guy had like a really girly voice, and they redubbed him for the final movie. I never noticed that before. Yeah, if you see in the trailer, you can see the guy with his girly voice, which which totally makes me wonder if like my favorite uh, a dumpster truck driver from the beginning really sounds like what the hell? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Maybe and like the bum too, the bum too that uh, Kyle Reese steals his pants from and said, "Hey, what are you real, real bright light?" I wonder if all those guys were, like, the same guy, the voice actor. Yeah, like, just, like, recording different voices. <laughs> yeah. I always thought, found it very lucky that he broke into a store that he got clothing and weapons. Yeah. Well, he well he really only got the guns from the cops, actually. But, but the clothes, yeah. And, like, it's pretty cool that he can run by just, like, a big display of shoes. <laughs> that... <laughs> yeah. And, and look at not even looking, he can grab, you know, clothes off the rack that fit him. Yeah. But I have to give James Cameron credit as a director here is, is you know, this could have been very, like, a slow start to the movie, just the guys coming back in time. But you have Arnold, like, tearing guys apart with his hands, and you have the cops chasing Reese while he's trying to get dressed. Cameron did that smart thing of um, that they would do in other low-budget movies at the time where, like, you never wanted to lose the audience because, you know, you didn't have a big star, you didn't have whatever. So you always try to make, you know, even the story moments – 
and later on you'll see like the whole exposition scenes are done actually during chases and uh, you know action moments so you never get bored with the story i thought that was a great touch well and luckily he's wearing nikes because then no one could hear him frantically running and stomping up an escalator exactly I, that was a great stunt double switch i think the guy who jumped down from the uh you know the the fire escape and then immediately uh beam appears from the back of the car I don't get why he didn't steal the car. I guess just because it's a cop car. And like, you know, he knew. He did steal the shotgun out of the front, though. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if cops really just, you know, had the shotgun, like, unlocked in the front of their car back then. Once again, something I'm sure we'll point out, too. 80s cop cars. Big hunks yeah. of junk. Pure shit. I'm, sh- I'm sure we will point that out in a later episode of the 1980s movie Graveyard Podcast. Don't you think, Corey? I have a weird deja vu feeling. I have we'll this talk weird about. feeling yeah, that we, we, we did. Maybe it was a dream I had. I don't, I don't know. know. Phone booths. I remember those. Yeah. I remember, like, in real life, you would never really spend any amount of time in a phone booth. But in movies, like, people always did the most important things of the movie in the phone booths. <laughs> it seemed like it. I'm still trying to figure out why a Terminator, a, a robot programmed to kill, needed a phone book. Shouldn't he have that locale programmed in his brain? Well, they explained that later, though. That most of the records were lost, so all they had was the name. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't know who was who. Then how do you know what city to go to? Well, well, we'll see. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you got. You, you can't explain everything in the first. Where are we? The first. Uh, seven minutes of the movie or whatever. <laughs> you have to wait. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you. I thought she looked, with the exception of those gigantic lips of hers, I thought she was kind of cuter in this film. Like I didn't like her all jacked up in in the no. second one. I, I thought that she's too manly. She was very sinewy in the second one. This one, she's she's got a butter face, but that's okay. I thought those this boots. Yeah, those are some cool boots. I thought this and Children of the Corn. She looked good. You know, Children of Corn, I think I might have mentioned once before, my wife had never seen it. So a couple of years ago, I put it on for her to watch because I liked it so much as a kid. We both fell asleep probably a half hour into that turd. Oh, I like it. I think it's good. Uh-huh. Now, okay, Cameron and Arnold claimed that because they had a, like, guerrilla shooting style just run out in this, this, you know, street and film that scene. They claimed that Arnold really punched through a real car door. Do you believe that? If he'd have had maybe something in his glove protecting him, because I remember when old Goldberg punched through a window there and yeah. almost died, you know, from losing all that blood. So. Well, that was years later, though. Maybe they had safety glass later on that they didn't have in '84 or whatever. I mean, I guess it's possible. He's a big guy. He's wearing he's wearing gloves, leather gloves. Yeah. He could have. Now here, I think this is the only like corny humor moment of the movie like later on we would see james cameron develop his corny humor in movies like true lies and shit but this is only corny humor the moment i think like where the little kid just puts a scoop of ice cream in linda hamilton's uh i hate true lies it's pretty corny thankfully it took place in the 90s so we don't ever have to talk about it on this podcast right I always like this scene where he's asking for everything, you know, even the Uzi 9 millimeter. And he's like, the quad one plasma rifle. <laughs> he starts naming the 45 it. long slide with laser sighting. I, think... I can tell you from experience, I have shot a gun with laser sighting and still missed the target. Really? Yeah, but I'm not a good shot. I think it just, it's just supposed to look cool. 
phase plasma rifle to 40 watt range. Yeah, just what you see on the wall, pal. The Uzi 9mm. I think this, from what I remember the 80s, I think this actual scene, people like quoting this scene, is what got everybody doing all their bad Arnold impersonations of the 80s. Then for some reason, this the later in the film, the I'll be back. I'll be Which back. he himself admitted to, he never knew what people were doing when they would say it to him. Yeah. People would come up to me and they say, I'll be back. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Where are you going? I'm like, no, from the movie. What the hell? It's like how he openly admitted he was confused when people did it to him all those years. Oh, what's going on? I like Arnold. Even when people give a lot of shit, oh, old Arnold and them old bastards and them old fuckers. Like, you know what? Those old bastards are making better action movies than anybody else is right now. Yeah. Watch the Channing Tatum film where he tries to do action. Tell me it's good. I can't lie to you. I didn't know how big the White House was until I watched that movie. Exactly. I thought he was in the strip mall from Dawn of the Dead. Now, now here's your least favorite scene in the movie where Arnold has to look into a phone book. Well, I thought he was kind of lazy, too. What if the husband's name was listed first, like Michael and Sarah? She could have been shacked up with somebody. What if she was unlisted? Then he wouldn't have been yeah, able to kill her. there's flaws in the strategy. I think back then, though, I think just about everybody was listed, right? Probably. I mean, you got to think, this came out 84, so they shot at 83. Like, I don't think... Like, I remember it wasn't until, like, the mid to late 80s where, like, actresses on TV shows started getting shot in their doorways that they started, you know, everybody started being like, oh, shit, we got to be careful. Sarah Connor? Yes. I love that jacket for some reason. You know, it's like some too. homemade job. It's cool, but I always like punk rock style music, so. Yeah. And if you ever watch an old copy of Terminator, uh, the original sound mix, the gunshots here sound way different than they do now. The original ones were very like, whereas like the newer uh, surround sound mixes that they put on the DVDs and the Blu-rays, it's it's just like, it's it's completely different gun sound. Like I I always get bothered because I remember that gun sound so clearly from when I was a kid. Now, I know I'm going to mention a guy you're probably not the biggest fan of, old Michael Bay, but his gunshots sound awesome in movies. They do. And I, I actually really <laughs> liked old Michael Bay until he started going with the PG-13. Uh, pain and Gain, Michael Bay is the best. Well, he returned to R rating, so it makes sense. Yeah, I didn't like Mammy Vice. Was that R or PG? That was boring as shit to me. That was R, but that was Michael Mann. It had nothing to do with Michael that Bay. That was Michael Mann, okay. Because he created the TV show. Okay. Who did, um, who, okay. Real quick, who, who did, uh, what do you call it? And I never, never mind, I'm watching somebody hotwire a car. It's not that easy. Why does he hotwire the car t- and then listen to the radio and take a nap? Like, isn't the guy <laughs> going to come back? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I never got that. Even most yeah. people don't hotwire it and they just let it sit idly. Yeah, just to listen to the radio. When he's at a construction site, you'd think it'd be one of the workers' cars parked right there, too. Right, right. The only thing I can think of is we're just supposed to imagine that he's having like a PTSD flashback here. It's not really. Yeah, good. that's. Although that's he does, he does kind of wake up. But I mean, I, I'm assuming he's been up for days, so it's kind of like he just nodded off for like a split second, you know. Kind of looks like a strung out John Schneider. Yeah, he does. That's actually a good <laughs> comparison. Who made the movie Public Enemies with Johnny Depp and Christian Bale? Your favorite director, Michael Mann. They had good gunshot sounds in it too. It did. Never finished watching it though. I never was. Never could get into it. 
I, that's actually a movie I've been meaning to rewatch because I liked it quite a bit. Had your boy Channing Tatum for like five minutes and then he got killed. Uh, I, he's not my boy. I just like Twenty One Jump Street. <laughs> that makes him your boy again. Great future war sequences and like they try to make the future war sequences so grand and the new and CGI riddled in the new PG thirteen ones. But this is just people under rocks dodging laser beams and it's more effective than all that hokey grand wizardry shit. Never noticed it before. Look at the girl. Look at the helmet. That's almost identical with the the outfits they use later in Starship Troopers. Yeah, it's it's almost like a modified uh, bikes uh, motor, uh, motorcycle helmet. Yeah, this the on Blu-ray some of the miniatures, although very cool for their time, they do look a little Godzilla-esque. Well, we have a lot of forced uh, perspective here, you know, to make those things look. But but you have to admit though the the whatever the compositing of everything it all looks like it's happening at the same place when clearly it's not you know what i mean oh yeah nowadays you can even in these big budgets you can clearly tell where the green screen is right except in the fast and furious movies i've never been able to pinpoint that very road warrior-esque car yeah i'm actually surprised how long the sequence is considering the low budget but yeah i like the flying terminator ships as well very cool I like the Terminator's uh, design sense back then, and, you know, how everything was all chrome. Then later movies, you know, the fake non-James Cameron movies, they make all these spider robots and shit. It, it never, it, to me, it never quite looked like it matched with the shit that was in the first film. Now, the last thing that matched up is the ride at Universal Studios, the, yeah. uh, the big 3D or 4D movie that they have there. Because that was actually made by Cameron. He actually directed that, that little video part that they did. They made, Man, it was all of them, Furlong, her, yeah. Arnold, they all filmed that. I bet that that's was... The, I remember that one, that's where Arnold says, let's bust a move. So does I went he? and saw it like a year ago, I was like, ooh, this is dated. <laughs> still fun, though. Let's bust a move. Yeah, uh, I bet that was a nice payday for all of them. I bet they probably worked two days and got paid like a few million bucks each. It's still, you know, to this day, though, it's out and long it's been since you've gone and done it. It's still pretty damn fun. I've actually never seen it. I kind of I kind of got jipped because I went to Universal Florida, I think, the year before they built it. And then I went to Universal Hollywood while it was under construction, so I never got to see it. Yeah, you, you, you should take a trip just for that. I mean, you would really dig it. Yeah. Yeah, there is one point when Furlong's like, we need, this is where we need to run. We need to throw the bombs, and Arnold puts the knapsack over his thing and he looks at him let's bust a move <laughs> that's so corny but but that was later james cameron he was all about the corny shit plus that was 90s when people were saying that shit so yeah i think they filmed that maybe like three or yeah probably like four years after the t2 came out yeah because there's another t in there that they're going after it's it's oh, yeah. it's it's surprisingly uh, unlike Shrek, they did not release 95 versions of that Terminator ride on DVDs. <laughs> so I think that's what makes it so cool when you go. I mean, it's the only way you're going to see that. It's the only place you know, that whole it presentation. Exists, yeah. yeah. Still packs them in to this day. I would imagine. You, even though the sequels, you know, whatever, Terminator 3, 4, 3 through 5, I guess now, they're not really that well-loved. Like, they're still... Like, that says something about the power of this first film to keep people interested in the concept where, like, you're, like, five movies in and only two have been good, but people are still willing to give it a chance time after time. See, I still think three was kind of fun. 
I just honestly, I the problem I have was three. I, f- I felt like the big gimmick was we have a girl Terminator, and it's like, well, no, you don't get it. They're really not men or women, so it doesn't really matter no, it's if it's a skeleton. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really matter if it's a guy or girl. I just didn't like the actual uh, whatever she was. I can't remember T three thousand or like I thought. I don't know. I just thought it was like too easy that she could make all these cars drive by themselves. It just it just seemed corny to me. I just remember he had the giant coffin at that funeral. He was, you know, just riddling everybody down. Yeah, that was a shame as the movie was kind of lackluster. But Arnold at that point in time, even though he was aging, I think he was like 55 when he made T3, he still looked really good, I thought. I think, you know, for his, everybody kind of laughs at him. Look at how shitty he looks now. For a 60-something-year-old man, he looks pretty damn good. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. Even Genesis, like, it, it was the same thing as T3. I'm like, he's not that bad shape like i wish they would made a better movie you know yeah you know i thought the last stand was fun i thought i Escape did too Plan was awesome i thought sabotage was good i think he's putting out i think he puts out good stuff yeah but but nobody goes uh what was it last stand broke a record for the lowest grossing you know wide release movie of the year i'm like okay like the skate plan didn't even open overseas it just got dvd releases yeah it's a shame what do you think of this little character thing of uh this young girl, Sarah Connor, having a pet lizard. Do you think this would really happen? I had a pet iguana. Yeah. How long do they live? Well, I had to get rid of mine. Mine was, like, really nice and really cool. And then I went on va- It was when I lived with my grandparents, and I went on vacation. And when I came back, I don't know what happened, but it was mean and started beating me with its tail, which feels Ooh. like you're getting hit with a whip. Right. So uh, I'm, I don't know what happened, if they didn't feed it or what. But uh, yeah, I had to get rid of that damn thing. Wow. I have dogs now. This is our dog. I've got this weird feeling that my dog has walked in on shows before. I don't remember a specific time of that happening, but I feel like that has happened somehow. I like how she drives a scooter. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I have to say this movie when I was a kid. Seeing as a kid, I was like, well, that's what I want to do when I grow up. I'll have a scooter. Because like, it looks cool. You know, I, I can't say that I did because I think I saw my tutor before this, and that kid looks so fucking stupid on that scooter. <laughs> This one looks nice, though. I think it's like a Honda or something, right? I don't know. I'm, I just like the Fast and the Furious. I know shit about vehicles. I like my tutor. That's a good movie. That is a good movie. I have that somewhere. I think I got on a double bill of private school. Oh, private school is a great movie. Mm-hmm. I went through a span a few years back where I was obsessed with... 80s tits comedies so mm. I, I like bought every one that i could think of do you ever rewatch them oh yeah uh yeah. loose screws i watched uh it was a few weeks back actually wow here again paul winfield yeah low budget movie with a great cast henrickson actually a little factor here is henrickson actually auditioned for the role of terminator originally they wanted a, the terminator to be like a really bland guy that could blend in and it wasn't until later when they thought they could get Arnold that they kind of, you know, rethought the whole concept of... Because at that point, Arnold had always played, like, kind of the, the hero. And they thought, well, it would be cool if we took Arnold and had to play a bad guy. But, yeah, Henriksen supposedly showed up to the audition with sunglasses and gold uh, or tin foil on his teeth to try to look like a robot. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen that audition tape. <laughs> you know who would have made a good, not necessarily... Well, he would have made a good Terminator, but would have made a good uh, Kyle Reese, too. Who? James Woods. Yeah, I can actually see that. Especially I can kind of see James Woods in anything, though, to be honest with yeah. you. I really do think he's that good. 
he's kind of playing a little bit of a character of himself now in movies but for a long time he was really i'd say the 80s and 90s and first half of the 2000s he he had a stellar fucking run of good dramatic roles lance hendrickson i you know this is 30 years ago and he still looks old as fuck yeah that's the thing is like if you ever watched dog day afternoon which i think came out about 10 years even before this he uh, hendrickson it's one of his first film roles he has a small part as the like the whatever bus driver that drives all the hostages away he looks even old in that. Hey, you know, I've never seen that movie. It's actually really good. I really like it. Yeah, I, I've never heard a bad thing. I just, for some reason, have never watched it. Well, you know what's funny is, as legendary of a movie it was, I never saw it as a kid on HBO or nothing. I don't know if it just didn't play that much. But it, it really wasn't until probably Blu-ray that I saw it, believe it or not. Yeah, I. it's one of those ones I always mean to buy, but mm-hmm. I never do. And, and like hearing about more Sarah Connors getting killed. Yeah, more this, now it's the is it the second Sarah Connor that's been killed? Yeah, yeah. There's some I just don't like her lips. She looks like she could be Topanga's mom. Yeah, that's kind of hot though. Topanga's hot. Topanga's yeah. still hot. Yeah, Topanga's still young though. I don't even. I guess she's over thirty now, but barely. You know who else is still hot? Who? Melissa McCarthy. Mm. <laughs> I'll leave that one alone. Not looking forward to the new Ghostbusters movie, though. Yeah, it's pretty bad when you only see pictures of a set of a movie. And you know it's probably not going to turn out that great. And uh, Ghostbusters is a classic. Yeah. and what, Part 2 is a piece of poop. Well, good thing Part 2 came out in, what, 1990? So we don't ever have to talk about that on this show. Yeah, it was a long... Uh, in between there yeah six years and you know for back then you know now they pump out movies every couple of years back in then they were pumping them out almost every year you get a sequel right that next summer yeah especially when movies like back to the future hit then they start doing the part two part three you know they continue and see this in the summer and this in christmas so yeah shooting everything back to back here we have Sarah Connor obviously being afraid of Reese, realizing he's following her. But in all actuality, he's just using her as bait to try to find out where the Terminator is. I always thought this looked like like a like a cool dance club slash restaurant. This was a strange concept of a place right here. Yeah, very techno-y kind of. Yeah. In fact, the fake I... name of the place is Technoir. There's a level in the game I know on Sega CD that you have to stop the Terminator in here. Mm. And you can tell they didn't have much budget for extras. If you look, if you watch from shot to shot, like it'll be different angles showing different parts of the club, and somehow you'll see the same people in the background every shot. Yeah, keep my eye on the girl in the blue dress. Yep. Dancing, because I think I saw her on the other. There she goes. She just walked past me. Yep. Especially once Arnold shows up and they start cutting all the different things. I have to say, uh, James Cameron, for being his first full movie that he really directed or completed, the way he did this, just like that, just the shot of Arnold stepping into the frame, he knew how to build the tension up and keep it going, you know? It's almost like a, a John Carpenter uh, Halloween. It is. The way he does it. 
Yeah. And it's lit and it's lit perfect. Like it's very it dark and ominous, but then you just you know come into the light just enough. It's very yeah, I um this girl's hot. She is. Yeah, I don't know if the digital cameras they use now to film movies just don't capture the light the right way or what. But you don't see that really uh atmospheric lighting in films the way you used to. Mm-mm. That's why, you know, there, there's a lot of optimistic people on Facebook who try to tell me that, you know, this is just the times and this is just the way it's done now. But in reality, it was it was better in the 80s. Filmmaking was better in the 80s. I don't care what anybody says. Like, the yeah, actual craft of filmmaking. It was. Well, and it was actually filmed. It wasn't, you know, right. you're going to... You know, and then no, I haven't used this as an example. No disrespect to my Fast and Furious, but... What are they? I mean, what are those guys? They probably film a good four or five months. Easy. Then yeah. you got another six months of you know generating effects. Yeah. The Avengers. You ain't gonna convince me they film maybe maybe two months. Them actors. And Robert Downey Jr. probably filmed his shit in a week. Yeah, he came. All he's got to do is turn his head back and forth in a helmet. Exactly. Arnold had to actually pick this motherfucker up and throw him against dressers. And- <laughs> I remember Walkmans from back in the day. Okay, those fucking foam-ass head things, yeah. they weren't that loud. There's no way in no. Holy Hell unless she's high that yeah. she doesn't know what's going on. And that's great how he comes flying out in front of her. That was actually a really well-done fight scene between him and the guy. This is nice, too, the slow motion. Yep. <laughs> look, I mean, look at this, man. Like Arnold's so iconic in this film. His presence, everything. I can see why this was the one that actually really made him a big star, you know? Oh. Uh, you know, and what's really odd is, if you notice, he never played a bad guy again. Yeah. Well, which is weird, because he's like the ultimate bad guy here. Yeah. And, yeah, he never played another bad guy, not even... He really never actually played another evil Terminator. Salvation had a digital Arnold, which was not portrayed by him. For like what, a, what did he go sequence. on to do... What did he do after this? What was this, his follow-up to this? I'm pretty sure... I'll look it up here, but I'm pretty sure the next one was either um, Raw Deal or Commando. I think Commando. Yeah. And that was another one that became real big, I think, on, on cable. Yeah, it did. It wasn't... I mean, it was, you know, it did okay. Like, a lot of these early movies, even after Terminator, you know, several of Arnold's movies were seen as uh, B-movies, you know? Because I don't think he hit, like, big movie until Total Recall. Yeah. I don't... Total Recall or Terminator 2, whichever one came first, that was big. Yeah, uh, Conan and the Destroyer and Terminator came out the same year in 84... Then Red Sonja and Commando came out in 85. So Arnold really was big with the sword movies for a little while. Thankfully, he got out of them. And then 86 was Raw Deal. And then 87 was Predator and Running Man. And I think Predator and Running Man is really... Especially Predators. Predator was a big hit, I think. Yeah, that's where... that I think after Predator is when people stop thinking of Arnold movies as B-movies, you know? I like Predator 2 a lot. I don't care what anybody says. I actually like that one better. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Unfortunately, it didn't come out in the 80s, so we can't talk about no. it. Predator did, though. Yeah, and we will talk about that. Because we have to say get to... No, which one's get to the chopper? That's Predator. That's Predator, okay. This is awesome where Arnold refuses to pay his cover charge. Well, he probably doesn't have any money. He robbed, obviously, poor people. Bums, yeah. Yeah, well, he has no concept of money. 
He just breaks the dude's hand right there. Yeah, he's very imposing. How old was he here? He had to be in his late 20s. Yeah, I think he like was. His early 30s. Let's see. Arnold was born in 1947. This came out in, well, it was shot in 83. So how old would he have been? 33? I believe so. Let me double check her math. I'll do 1983 minus 1947. 36. You're 36. off by a couple wow. years. Wow. Yeah. He's still look good. Yeah. Uh-huh. I have to say Arnold, has, like, like when I started thinking Arnold was starting to look old, like I thought he was in his early 40s. It turned out he was like 50. So Arnold aged well. Yeah. I don't Not see. As well as Michael J. Fox, but no. he aged well. I don't know if it's true, but I heard Arnold had some plastic surgery to reset his jaw. I think these are the shots here. Like, in front of Arnold, you see these chicks or this guy or something. And then when the cuts to behind him, you see them again or something. Oh, no, that's what it is. The the, the chick in the orange was just on the dance floor. Now she's sitting in the booth back there. That's what it was. Yeah, like, Cameron was a genius how all this buildup is in slow-mo, and then once the shooting starts, it goes to regular motion. I mean, this is just textbook great action here. And I like how he openly admits, you know, can you stop him? No, it just slows him down. Yeah. So he really had no plan to kill him. Yeah. Well, later when Sarah asks him, uh, you know, can you destroy him? And he, like, even admits, like, with these weapons, I don't know. If only he would have had the plasma art ten. Yeah, forty watt plasma rifle, the forty watt range. I like how he just started mowing down people too. Yeah, which which is it sucks because you never saw that ever again in another turn. Like, I mean, I, I like Terminator Two as a great fun action movie, but in a lot of ways, as a fan of this quote unquote franchise, I only really count the first movie because it's. It, it just has such a different tone, and it's so strong and grim, you know? Like, the other Number movies... Two, they tell him right away, you know, you can't go around killing people. So he just becomes, like, you know, the protector of a bull. Yeah. Well, even the T-1000, even though he stabs some people to death, he never really, like, mows down a room full of people, you know what I mean? No, where in this one, he just guns down a club, then he kills a police station. I mean... Yeah. That's a good shot right there, where you just see the head coming up through the window. Yeah. Yeah, and that's she a, does. She does a really good job too. Uh, you know, the woman in peril. You know, as opposed to where she's the, you know, the strong macho chicken too. She, she. I give her credit. She between the two films, her acting was good. I think it's actually harder for a woman to play the woman in peril than it is the tough chick. Because you you have to go through a lot more emotions as is you know what I mean as the victim. It's Kyle Reese. You know, I think the last thing I saw him in was. Um, um, I'm a fan of the movie too. My man Rodriguez, Machine Gun Girl, like Planet Terror. He was the yep. sheriff in it. I remember. Yeah, might have been the last thing I saw him in. He directed a horror movie called The Victim and co- co-stars in. It's actually really good. Where he pl- just plays a guy living out in the mountains, and there's these two guys. I think they're cops. They take these girls out to the woods to rape and kill, and he stumbles upon them and tries to help the girl like escape and shit. It's actually pretty good. I haven't seen that one. I haven't ever heard of that one, to be honest with you. came out about two years ago. Pretty low budget, you know. Now, here we have a lot, a lot of people, you know, they think of the Terminator, they think of the spiky hair. Arnold had his longer 
parted hair. It was actually during that uh, fire or whatever that was right there where uh, Reese blew up the car and then Arnold ran through the fire that now Arnold has the shorter singed hair and his eyebrows are singed off. That's why, you know, the Terminator from this point on would have the spiky hair. Because they don't regenerate. Yeah. Apparently their skin does age, though. Is that the deal that you find out in Genesis? Well, Genesis, you find out not only does it age, but over time it can grow back. The skin can grow back. Okay, then. They still went in junk cars. That one didn't even have it. If you look closely on the left side, it didn't even have the protection syrup painted on the door. Yeah, it's so junky. Every car in these old movies was junk, though. It was. They were all junk. And I, Nobody jacks a Porsche. Because <laughs> no, they couldn't afford to crash it <laughs> back then. They have to be doing that Lloyd Kaufman thing where the same car gets wrecked for 45 movies. Exactly. And she's doing a good hearing. She's basically in shock. But in the 80s, it doesn't matter if you're in shock or in peril. You still have time to fuck a guy before you're you know, ready to die. Exactly. Okay, I, w- I wanted to double-check my sources. Um, the cop that Arnold stole the cop car from, the little nerdy guy, he was like a, just like a rewrite additional writer on the Terminator, and then he would go on to be the actual writer of T2, so it was a friend of James Cameron. That was pretty interesting, I thought. So my wife and I sometimes will go round and round. Her favorite is part two, whereas this is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Linda Hamilton, I think, had surgery in between the films. I mean, I get that she, you know, had to, I mean, I get that she had to toughen up and work out, but I don't know. She looks a lot different. I think it's just because she, A, aged and B, like, gotten, like, that, like, horrible. She actually looks, she's really, like, you know, I remember when that movie came out, everybody was like, oh, she's so buff. She's she's really not buff at all. She's just scrawny in part two. She's, she's, She's really just hard looking, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's just rough. It looks like she's just been chain smoking, drinking whiskey. Edward Furlong, I remember, but I thought he had a lot of promise when that yeah. came out. Obviously, they don't realize he was in the Crow Part Four. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. Lo- I'm looking at modern pictures uh, of the roommate that you said was hot. She's still pretty hot. Linda Hamilton ain't hot. Although I hear at the convention, she's super nice. Yeah, she seems like a sweet old lady. She looks really, I mean, not to be mean, but you know, she's, she. I don't know, she's a much older woman now. Isn't she married to Cameron? Oh, she was. She was around the time, I think around the time Titanic came out, because I remember them being together at the Oscars for that. But they divorced. Cam- Cameron's been married a million times. And Kate Capshaw was married to Steven Spielberg, wasn't she? That's right, I Maybe I'm wrong. I think they still are. Because I remember Spielberg was married to Amy Irving first, then Kate Capshaw later. Christian and I, I I showed him Temple of Doom for the first time last week. Oh, did he like it? He did quite. He liked it better than Raiders, to be honest with you. I think any kid would. It's, you know, Temple of Doom is really much more up the alley of a kid, I think. Here, Here, you know. He's doing a good job in this. I don't know why he decided to go and try to hide in a uh, parking garage. <laughs> Reese? Yeah, unless he was going to plan on do the Steven Seagal above the law, you know, where you drive backwards with the guy hanging from your car. Well, he's just he just went in the garage to look for a new car because, you know, the Terminator saw the car they were in. Terminator will be looking for it. Yeah, it's all right. The Terminator needs a phone book to find somebody. He ain't going to remember the car. 
here we get all the explanation exposition of the uh, you know the Terminator series, how they evolved into having living skin and their heart. What's on his chin? It's just a fake scar. Because I can't stop looking at it. Yeah, it's like a fake Harrison Ford scar. (laughs) Looks like he's got a fucking like I don't know ringworm or something. Mm. He had a lot of fake scars on his back too when he came through time. Yeah, he caught that when he came out of the thing. Yeah. So obviously, oh wait, we can't give away that part yet. <laughs> Never mind. Save your questions to the end, fans. All right. Cyborgs don't feel pain. I do. Yeah, man. that's not as good as fuck you, asshole. <laughs> yeah. That's coming up. He had some good lines. I mean, I can't say he didn't. It can't be reason with. It can't be bargained with. Doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear, and absolutely will not stop until you are dead. It's like the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. He never stops unless you take away his urn, which makes no sense. If his power came from an urn. And the urn's been gone all these years. Shouldn't he technically have been on a losing streak like 15 years ago? Well, you, you'd have to ask the genius of Vince McMahon for that one. I can't offer any off. I mean, why would you get rid of the guy's urn? You could sell them as, like, you know, foam nightlights to kids. Why would you, why would you take a raunchy show that was, like, one of the top-rated shows on TV, then try to gain a bigger audience by cleaning it up and getting half the ratings? That's the logic of Vince McMahon. Yeah, I, uh... I don't get it. Uh, I still haven't figured out why you're supposed to cheer for Dolph Ziggler. But, you know, who am I? Yeah. Hey, the police are actually tipping off the Terminator as to where they are. Dumbass they, cops. They mobilize, too. I mean, everybody's out there looking for this guy. I know. Yet no one's looking for the other, the, the Terminator that, mm-hmm. you know, was doing the killing. That's what I don't get. Yeah, and the Terminator stole a cop car. I think it would be easier to find him. Yeah. I wonder, here's an odd question, but if Reese was not born in this time, correct? Right. He was born in the future. How does he know how to hotwire cars? Well, we saw him drive a car, though. Remember in the future, he jumped in the driver's seat, and that other guy manned the machine gun when they were trying to get away from the HKs? Did they have a class on hot wiring? Well, I mean, everything was junked up. They had to learn how to rebuild them and shit. All right, you need you need to pay attention to the dialogue here. Do you have your subtitles on? I don't, but I can turn up my volume. I can just turn on my subtitles. Yeah, turn on your subtitles. He talks about everything's gone. He talks about the survivors. Nobody knew I who mean, I think he's making pillow talk. It was machines, Corey. Defense network computers, which I buy. I buy the idea that the Terminators grew out of uh, defense network computers a lot better than they they grew out of cell phones, which is what Genesis would have you believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can get that because you know, defense thing has to be programmed with all that, and it's basically a weapon. And another thing too is nineteen eighty four. Well, 83, really, when they made this, computers were in their infancy, and yet somehow 
the stuff that James Cameron wrote was smarter and more correct than the stuff that they can write in a 2015 Terminator movie. It wasn't something about an app going online or something like that. Yeah, it's an app. It's a, it will work in your phone. It will work in your computer. It's it's like I don't I don't care what kind of computer or cell phone you have. Windows, you know, Windows whatever it is, ten or whatever that's out now. It's not going to be smart enough to take over the world. Windows ninety eight don't can stop alien technology. Mm-hmm. But those aliens, they they had their firewall was shit, and you know that. Well, if you do remember, in defense, because I had to do some watching of that movie again there, mm-hmm. Independence Day is what we're referencing, fans. They said that most of the technology we had came from, you know, the aliens that they studied right. from the Roswell crash. So exactly. Obviously, they, they knew that to get in there. Well, I mean, they had a spaceship for like a long time, right? So they could have, you know, find out whatever their computer code was. Yeah. See, loading bodies, they made the humans disposable units running night and day. You never saw anything like that in the fake PG-13 ones. You saw people in lines walking into concentration camps, but you never saw anything that happened to them. That's why these new Terminator movies are so weak. And the old ones, like just Reese's dialogue sounded so much more harsh and painted such a, you know, a terrible picture. I don't get why computers that would need humans in concentration camps. No, they just use them as labor, like he explained. But for what? They load the I mean, bodies. Really, like, like just like in the real concentration camps. Why not just have more robots do it and wipe them all out completely? Yeah, but the, if you, if you watch this movie and compared to the other ones that are much bigger budget, I think this one is asking you to believe that the computers, like the, or the Skynet or Terminators or whatever, like I don't think there was millions of them running around like they have in the sequels, you know? Because if you got to think about it, it's like it's a computer, but. Where's it getting all this raw material to make millions of Terminators when, like, everything was melted into nuclear fuck? You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a... Like, I like this movie better because it paints the future as much more grim. Like, I was pretty pissed when, in Genesis, they they showed the whole future war part and everybody's well-fed, healthy, clean-cut, not a fucking drop of dirt on them. (laughs) But I guess that's where we're at now in 2015, where things are supposedly better, right, Corey? Oh, 100%. I'll say it again. If you want to see an action movie and you don't want to see Fast and the Furious, you're going to be going to see a superhero. Exactly, because that's all that's left. This is a pretty good car chase, I think, aside from a couple obviously sped up shots, but it's, it's still good. Yeah, and he's he's obviously well. He's programmed to be a good driver. Yeah. Reese has good driving skills for a guy who's you know never driven on a highway before. Well, if you think about it, because when they showed him before in the future, they set up he had to drive in between all those junk piles. This is actually easy, probably easier for him to drive, wouldn't you think? Uh, but you got oncoming cars. Right. And I actually know it's in the '80s too. Fans, you'll see. Uh, most chases took place on roads with very little traffic. Yeah. I thought this was a great way to end this chase, too. Like, honestly, is the, they just come to a wall. Arnold crashes. Too bad he gets, uh, you know, popped here. Yeah. See what happens when you let a woman drive, fans. Hey, come on now. 
There's Topanga's mom telling him to stop. I actually wish we could have seen Arnold just get out of the car with his eye ripped out and walk away. That would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, because when they go over there, he's just gone. Yeah. And there's, like, blood on the steering wheel or something. I technically never got why he left. I think it was just a, you know, the way the, the Terminator thinks to, like, you know, uh, complete its mission. It was damaged at this point, so it had to go repair, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, he very easily could have just mowed them all down. Yeah, but he could... I think he was maybe out of ammo at this point because he was using that shotgun and obviously a shotgun at that range. It was putting holes in the car, but it's not going to be, you know, accurate to shoot her. Yeah, where he had more weapons at his flea bag hotel, which... Yeah. I wonder how he paid the rent. I'm assuming he just... Uh, whoever was actually staying in that room, he probably just killed them and went in the room. Yeah. Because he did technically come in through a window. Yeah. The uh, same uh, doctor actually reprised his psychiatrist back there, whose name I don't know in real life, reprised his role in part two. Yeah, Earl Bowen. Popped up in a lot of 80s films, usually a bit part. And then in Genesis, even though he was a new character, they had, uh, what's his name, J.K. Simmons. I exactly like this guy for some reason. J.K. Simmons is a very good actor. He is, but he is like the worst manager, apparently. Yeah, he, he he doesn't really capitalize on success very well. No, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when Burt Reynolds like got nominated or won an Oscar for Boogie Nights, and he immediately tried to make a car racing movie afterwards. Yeah, or what when J.K. Simmons was, Juno is hot. You're gonna be an independent guy. I really see you doing car commercials, yeah, insurance commercials. Yeah. All right, here we come. The iconic scene. After this, every B action movie had a scene of some either villain or hero having to repair themselves. In fact, I directly think that the Predator scene where the Predator has to fix himself up was inspired by this. People just loved this scene. They went crazy for it. And I don't think any other movie that ripped it off really did it as good. No. This is kind of the... This is the baller and shot caller of scenes. The baller and shot caller of... yourself. <laughs> Of home surgery. <laughs> yeah, because pretty much every... Yeah, like you said, everything has tried to copy it since, but his is... Uh, and I, uh, I, I gotta say, the special effects are pretty good for what they are, but even, oh, if, yeah. even, if, even if there's, like, a few scenes with the head and shit in a minute that look fake, it's like, well, it is fake. It's a Terminator. They, they yeah, got it's the, just skin. Yeah, they have the perfect excuse, you know? Yeah, the eyeball scene does look a little cheesy. The arm looked good. The arm did look good, I thought. Everybody's smoking in this movie. Yeah. I bet everybody, like, not just the smokers, but everybody in the 80s had lung cancer from everybody smoking in a cloud. <laughs> well, you could smoke anywhere then. Yeah, you could. Really wasn't until, like, the early 90s, right? Probably, like, probably like 89, 90, 91, they started really... You know, smoking sections and stuff like that. Yeah, in restaurants, which is weird because now you can't even have a smoking section, right? Smoking's pretty much eradicated here where I live. Is it? Which is a good thing. Smoking's a filthy habit. It really is, and it's a uh, it's a danger to other people. You know, people around you, health. So I kind of think it doesn't look cool anymore. No, it doesn't. It just looks kind of dirty. Yeah, see, back in the 80s, it looked cool. Mm-hmm. 
if this was the 80s, I'd be puffing the smoke while I was recording this. Exactly. The time displacement equipment. The Terminator had already gone through. You think he would have been smart enough to come up with a better cover story. Yeah, but I mean, I don't... I mean, I kind of think that no matter what he would have said, they wouldn't have let him out, obviously. So it's kind of like... Plus, they wouldn't let him out just because they couldn't figure out who he was because his fingerprints didn't, you know, because he didn't exist yet, but... Here comes our eyeball scene. Yep. Look at those guns. I know. Those some big-ass biceps. This is a great scene right here. And I have to say, like, Stan Winston was talking about his uh, concept for this whole thing was to try to sell that the instead of a man in a suit, that it was, like, the suit inside the man. And I gotta say, like, it looks really cool. Like, concept really works. It's really different. Yeah, you said it's cheap looking, but it's... It's not too awful. It's not, the side views are really good. Well, you gotta admit, too, like, what I thought was smart was even the scenes where it's actually Arnold, like, here, they put something on his face to make him look more putty. And you can even see it, like, he's kind of rubbery looking in the very first shot of the movie when they show him. Mm-hmm. Like, like I think they try to make the real Arnold look fake, too, to try to get it to match better, you know? That actually yeah, looks really cool. Yeah, to a point. I think there's too much putty around the rest of his face, though. Gargoyles. I wear gargoyles to this day, actually. Yeah. Not those giant things he's wearing. Yeah, I want to get street lines. But yeah, I do wear gargoyles. Yeah, I wear black flags. And then, of course, he checks the hair. That's awesome. There's his whole stash of weapons there. Under the mattress. I'm trying to figure out where he got the leather coat. Yeah. Maybe he picked it up on the way back to the fleet bag motel. <laughs> I think those are different pants too, aren't they? Yeah, I think they are. I'm sure the other ones were, were blood stained, you know? Yeah, probably just killed somebody and took their clothes. Don't you have ray guns? <laughs> she kind of has a camel toe in those pants. I kind of like it. And I don't know what it was about pants back then, but every lady's, like, the front of their pants were, like, flat. How'd they do that? Like, why is that? It's kind of pleat would be my guess. Yeah, it's weird. Surrounded by living tissue, dumb fuck. Turn off the big Betamax. Yeah. Every cop station had to have a Betamax, I think, back in the day. I think news studios, some of them still do, don't they? Some of them, yeah. They were using it up until a few years ago, actually. Well, they're the higher quality VHS. That's right. They just never caught on for some reason. Yeah, I think it was just the, um, as far as the home version, didn't catch on because it was just Sony making it, whereas VHS is made by, like, a bunch of different people. And cheaper. And cheaper, yeah. This is a part of the movie, like, with the little video here where they try to make you think that maybe Reese is, like, crazy. I mean, obviously we know what he's telling is the truth because we see the Terminator, but they try to make him seem like he's just, like, I don't know, insane. He plays the part pretty good, though. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, for this being a low-budget movie, like, you don't see as good as acting like this in genre movies. Like, I feel like now genre movies, whether it be science fiction, horror, whatever, with the low-budget 
they they're they're like they're too nervous to try to make it good, so they just make it cheesy on purpose. You know what I mean? When this is low budget as it is, it doesn't seem low budget. Like no. the movies you watch now that are low budget, yeah. they're low budget. Yeah. Well, obviously too, like we talked about with the lighting and stuff, they actually knew how to film this movie and make it look timeless and good and high budget, even though it wasn't. You know. And it had a good plot. It, it had this a great was very plot. Original. This is, you know, this is. There was never anything like this at the time. Yeah. What, what it spawned you... a lot of copycats. Yes, it did. Everybody was trying to be like a unstoppable killer. Just... What do you think of Lim- Linda, ha- Linda Hamilton's poodle hair here? I actually like it. I like it. I think it's sexy. It is sexy. The way it's like coming down all in like like a little waterfall on the sides of her head. I I would do her on that couch. <laughs> I, I think just about anybody would. I mean, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of which, have you seen Ashley Gold lately? Who lost weight looking hot? I haven't seen her. Last time I saw her was on the show. Yep, here comes the most one of the most iconic lines in film history, actually. Yeah. I think it's hilarious that the Terminator says he's a friend of Sarah Connor. And like, look how mean he looks. Mm-hmm. Like this frail woman who's been almost murdered all night long. They're going to let this psycho in there. I thought this was cool too how he looks around it's like I think there's a Terminator outside if you can hear that I'll be back yeah I hear him yeah I like I like how the Terminator kind of looks around at the window of the police station there seems like he's almost surveying it like doing an assessment to see if he can just drive the car through there yes he's gonna scope it out but yeah, I mean that that really I think when they listed like the hundred best lines in films I want to say that was two or three yeah and, and like what's what's kind of hilarious about it was Cameron or nobody ever thought it would be a big deal. It just was a line, but obviously it's just the juxtaposition of saying "I'll be back," and then you just drive a car completely through a police station. People weren't ready for that. That was like really a cool surprise for people. Whereas, like in the other Schwarzenegger movies, they tried to make things catch phrases. Yeah, well, not only that, but annoyingly, like they had him. Like I don't know if you ever noticed, but a couple movies after this, I think in Commando, some other ones. He keeps saying he'll be back. I'm like, no, you can't just use the same catchphrase in every movie. you got to make a new one. Yeah, that's why I liked in uh, Expendables 2 when he went, I'll be back. And Bruce Willis went, you already, you keep saying that. You already came back. back. <laughs> I'll be back. And then that's when he went, oh, well, hasta la vista, motherfucker. That, I thought it worked like in that context. I thought yeah. it was very funny. But that's a different type of movie. That's a very over-the-top, you know. Yeah, he, uh, you're right. He, he did say, I'll be back quite a few times. Yeah. It worked when he said it in, um, what was the one movie with the magic ticket, The Last Action Hero? I'll yeah, be yeah. back. I bet you didn't think I'd say that. You always mm. say that. Well, again, that's a self-referential. I, I, th- I think his second best one-liner after I'll be back was Stick Around from Predator when he throws the big knife in the guy. I really like let off some steam. Yeah, when he throws the pipe through the guy. <laughs> and he doesn't just like stab it through him, he just throws it like a javelin and it goes through the guy's entire body. There is sub zero. Now no. plane, plane zero. zero. Which makes no sense. Mm-mm. I have to say that, like, I always thought this scene was hard because there was a lot of, uh, like, I don't know what happened. I guess people got sensitive after the Rodney King thing, but for a while there, like, people really wanted everybody in the world to be subservient and, like, blow cops. And, I mean, obviously, you gotta have respect for the police. They're doing an incredibly hard job, but, like, 
this is a you know like this is a fictional movie. It's a robot killing all the police. There's nothing wrong with it. Like and like I I, I don't know like you just never see cops get wasted hardcore in movies anymore. Whereas in the eighties police officers were always like the the mass of fucking people that were always getting gunned down. You don't see it oh, anymore. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, he took out a whole precinct. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, like, I mean, they weren't like major, major characters, but like Winfield and, um, uh, Henriksen here, like, you know, like they gave them enough screen time where you thought they were going to be in like the rest of the movie and then they just kill them off. Like, it's a good touch. Yeah, and then the psychiatrist just, he left. He walked past him. He couldn't yeah. like, be shit later in the films. Exactly. I like how, though, like, how she keeps getting away and how yeah. he just got out of his cell. And, like, obviously the police station is a big deal, you know, in, in this movie. Genesis takes it another level. They get arrested no less than four times in Genesis. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> And I'm willing to bet no Terminator destroyed the entire cop. Uh, no, nothing. Cop shop there. Nothing. Actually, what's weird about Terminator Genesis is, except for maybe the T-1000 kills like a cop at the very beginning. Other than that, I don't think you see a Terminator out of all the Terminators in the movie. You don't see a Terminator kill any humans the entire film. I bet they just kill other Terminators. Yep, they just keep shooting... Uh, you know, the Terminators over and over that can regenerate and take the damage, which is very boring after a while. Yeah, see, this is, and still, a lot of times, like, if I show Christian a movie from the 80s, it's like, oh, 80s rated R, that's PG nowadays. This is still R. Yeah. In fact, I think this film in particular, the way, like, he just shot the gun clerk at the beginning, like, I think this would, like, not only be R, but I think you'd have to say, even by today's standards, this is hard R. Yeah, yeah, very easily. Not quite NC-17, but... Yeah, no, not that far, but... By today's standards, though, you would see that version possibly in the unrated Blu-ray, but in the theater, you would see the PG-13 version. I'm so sick of PG-13. I mean, I think... I personally think you should make a movie, and whatever movie you're trying to make, then just take whatever rating you get. But when you make a movie for rating, like... I don't know. It just when you're like, okay, we well, know we want to do violence, but we don't want to show anything because we want this PG-13. It's like you're automatically watering your movie down, you know. Well, like no Avengers two, I can see that PG-13 makes sense. Expendables three, yeah, <laughs> no. And I'm like, well, the only reason it didn't make money was because it was bootleg. No, it's because by making it PG-13, you alienated your target audience. Young kids exactly. are not going to go see that movie. They don't mm-hmm. care. In fact, they probably want to see it more if it's R-rated, to be honest with you. Yeah. Hulk Hogan is saying he's going to be the bad guy in Expendables 4. Yeah, I don't think I, so much now after he was commenting on his uh, daughter's love life recently. Well, <laughs> I say not so much because I never heard they even green live in Expendables Part Exactly. He kept promising that straight from Sylvester Sloan's mouth. I don't know if we'll do any more. Straight from Hulk Hogan's mouth. I'm the bad guy, brother. All right, we'll see. Sly's been in contact with me. Yeah. He's been wanting to work with me since Rocket 3, brother. Yeah. Although, strangely enough, if there is, because Expendables comes out every two years, if they are going to make another one for next summer. They better get started right now, pretty much. 
Maybe this time. Oh, excuse me. I'm doped up on uh, allergy medicine here. Um, Are you sure it's not because you went through a time machine? That could be it, too. The Well, the, med, the Benadryl from the future is more. What time machine? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? It does seem weird, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm getting more and more like I want to have sex with her right now. Yeah, I gotta say, she's a very attractive woman. She's growing on me. Yeah. You know who would have been a good Kyle Reese? Who? Nicolas Cage. Mm, I think maybe he was too young at this point, because at this point, by the time they, like, when they filmed this, he had only done Fast Times, right? Or maybe Valley Girl. No, wait, maybe Valley Girl had come out. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out why Nicolas Cage wasn't in Fifty Shades of Grey. I think he would have played that role great, personally. I would have probably been more interested in it. Yeah. That movie stinks, cousin. Fifty Shades of Grey? Yeah. I'd have to agree with you on that. Thank God it didn't come out in the 1980s, so we don't have to talk about it on here. But Fatal Attraction did come out in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. That was actually good. Wall Street came out in the 80s, too, you know. Yeah, we got to talk about that. See right here, he told her cousin that she was in hiding before the war happened. So when John Connor is born, no birth records, nothing. So how could you ever, how could the machines, let's say theoretically the machines had all the records of everybody being born to who and whatever. They, you you can't trace it because John Connor was never, you know, quote unquote on the grid. I'm just saying, wouldn't he have a database of at least the phone records from 1984 when he got there? I don't think so. I mean, at some, I can't remember where it was. I think we missed it. At some point, he actually resays that most of the records got destroyed in the war. But he, yeah. even if they did, I mean, I don't know. Like, like, th- like, think about a phone address record. Because I mean, she was living in an apartment. People in apartments move around every few years. Like, you got to think like to have every single. And this was this time period happened before the internet age. So. Your information where you lived in 1984, cousin, I guarantee that was never in a computer anywhere. You know what I mean? You know, part three then, in a way, did keep the continuity to a point. Because if you remember, he said he was living off the grid just doing odd jobs. Right. Nick Stahl, I believe, was... uh, Yeah, um, was John John Connor, Connor, wasn't he? Which makes sense, because as soon as you go on the grid, right, the Terminator's in the future. You know, in the modern times, like, maybe, maybe you could, like, I don't know... You know, 83, but, you know, in the 90s, if you're working a job, that's now that's going to be in a computer. And then the Terminators can go back in time, figure out where you were at that place in time, you know. Because I can't remember, how did they finally, lo- what did he do that brought him located? In T3, I don't remember. I just remember the Terminator showing up. Because I remember they started killing everybody else in the Resistance besides John Connor because they knew where they lived. You know what I mean? Yeah. But good thing we're not talking about T3, because we don't have to talk about them fallacies. Uh, even had a TV show, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, which I watched the first season. I actually thought it was okay. Yeah, I watched the majority of the first season. missed a few episodes. I thought it was good. I might have to catch up with it on Hulu or Netflix or wherever it's at. Did it go two years or three years? Two years. And it, Wasn't it, Kyle Reese Brian Austin Green? Actually, he, no. I think he's no, Reese's brother. Yeah, he's Reese's brother. That's right. Although that film had a, che- oh, I'm sorry, not that film. That TV show had a cheat where they went into a time machine into the future, 
to catch it up to the modern day. You know what I mean? And yeah, that's uh, right. And uh, guess what else does that exact same cheat? Terminator Genesis. Well, they must have had an app for it. Yeah. You're making me not want to watch Genesis. I wouldn't. Personally, I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, you, it's like, obviously, if you're a Terminator fan and an Arnold fan, you're going to watch it just because of Arnold. But um, but you're not going to, you know, you're not going to want to think of it as part of the series the way you do T1 and yeah. T2. I'll pick up the Blu-ray just because well, I have all the other ones. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. But I, I wouldn't rec- to, recommend it to you just on the quality because it's not, it, I would actually say it's the lowest quality this no, side of any. quality. No, it's the lowest quality this side of any damn science fiction movie maker. I saw a few fans that don't have the Terminators on Blu-ray for like 42 bucks. You can get the first four on the big uh, trilogy pack right now. Quadrilogy pack. Quadrilogy. Yeah. I have to say, like, wherever they did this, like, just, you know, as a kid, just these images, they stayed in your mind. Like, this was really effective. Like, this this movie sold the future war better than any of these PG-13 ones where everybody's clean. You know what else sold it good was uh, Cyborg. Yeah, that was actually real dirty. Mm-hmm. That happened. That movie came out in the 80s. We might have to do a commentary track for that, right? Yeah, I don't think we've ever done that. No, not at all. Which is shocking because it's actually my favorite Van Damme film. And it's something that you think you would find on an action-themed podcast. Yeah, you would think. Look at these kids so happy they found a rat. And there he's got the picture of her, correct? Yeah. And, like, that's what this movie did well, because obviously she famously gets that picture taken over at the end. Mm-hmm. This, this movie, for being an early, like, whatever time travel... you got to think this is before Back to the Future laid down all the rules of time travel movies. They came out with some pretty good rules for this, I thought. Back to the Future, what it had going for it was the part two, you know, the whole mm-hmm. sports almanac, which is one of the cleverest things I've ever seen. Right. I like how the Terminator does not kill the dogs. Yeah. Because, well, he does eventually right there. Yeah, but they didn't show it like they do nowadays for that cheap heat. Yeah, that cheap heat. What do you think of the size of this gun that the Terminator has? It's fucking huge. It's like a cannon. And, uh, and it's not it's not as impressive as when The Rock had the chain gun in Furious 7. Right. I think this is actually more impressive just because they did it so much earlier. Well, if The Rock... The Rock would make a great Terminator. I don't care what anybody says. I don't think now because he has so much tattoos. I don't think you cover that up when he comes naked through time. Oh, sure you could. But uh, there, obviously, there was a Terminator not portrayed by Arnold. The the later movies, every they they kept writing in that every Terminator ever made looked like Arnold. Like when the the soldiers recognize like the same guy keeps showing up and he's a Terminator every time. <laughs> I think this movie actually yeah. had it right when they're trying to make you know say that all the Terminators look different from each other. Yeah, you're right. Because after this, yeah, that's what that model always looked like. Yeah. Again, uh, I know I comment on this every time you and I, Corey, sit down to uh, watch an 80s movie, but 80s movies just shot on film, natural sunlight. They're just, you know, on the on the Blu-ray, they, they're they just prettier looking than this 
digital, high-budget, great, 10-inch shit that they make now. Well, that's how you do Fog. You don't do it like you do in Expendables 2. Yeah. <laughs> it's all CGI'd in. Oh, that movie looked... I would have liked that movie better if it wouldn't have looked so bad. Yeah, like, there's even certain shots of it just from, like, literally from shot to shot, it gets worse and worse quality. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just like a dirty camera lens with the fog machine going nonstop. Like, they bought one and did not turn it off. <laughs> Real low resolution, too. Fuck you, asshole. Yeah, none of the later movies, I guess because they were trying to soften it up and go for a younger audience, none of the mov- later movies really had Arnold cuss in a cool way like this did. There, From what I remember, there is not many much profanity in part two, either. Yeah, I don't think there is. I think they say, like, dickwad and stuff. I think maybe, I think maybe little Connor Furlong says, fuck you, she's a priority to me, or something like that, but. Yeah, you know, in the 80s, you could hitch rides on semis. Yeah, that was kind of cool. <laughs> Especially when you, well, I guess if you do have a girl with you. When you gotta go to the no-tell motel, you know. I found it interesting that for security, the no-tell motel actually had a dog chained up outside <laughs> Yeah, that's, um, well, you know, uh, concealed weapon carry wasn't as prominent back then. Yeah, that's true. I have that vicious guard dog in my house. I know. <laughs> Let me tell you, she's terrifying. <laughs> she jingles and jangles her spurs every time she enters the room. she's, uh... She got so excited when one of Christian's friends came down the other day. She ran up and down the hall for two minutes and peed. Oh, yeah. I remember our dogs, when they're, especially when they're kind of younger. Yeah, they pee. She's trying to steal my spaghetti tonight. Oh, no. <laughs> what a rascal. <laughs> yeah. Menace to society. Which was, that movie was filmed in the 90s. Yes, it was. Luckily. Oh, look at this pretty sunset. You'll never never see anything like this in a movie again because it's all going to be tinted gray and digital. That had the, the that shot right there kind of reminded me of the cover of To Live and Die in L.A. Yeah, that real orangey sundry. Well, by the way, I don't. where are you at on To Live and Die in L.A.? I love it. Hey, it's a good movie. If you want to know how to counterfeit money, just watch it. It basically details how. Because <laughs> they actually had a real criminal show them how to do it. For the movie, and then the FBI showed up because <laughs> the shit they were making for the movie was too real. Yeah, it's a good movie. I have the, I got the Blu-ray of that. I actually couldn't wait for the Blu-ray to come out here. I actually jumped the gun and got a Japanese import. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you at on Videodrome? Love it. I have the Criterion of that. Yeah, it looks me like too. a VHS tape. I got yeah. that when a Barnes and Noble was closing around here for three bucks. Wow, you did good. <laughs> Yeah, I had the original DVD of Videodrome that, like, was so... You could tell it was just they ported it from a Laserdisc. So I was happy when the Criterion version came out. It was much higher quality. I actually have the Laserdisc of it. Really? That's cool. can't remember if I do or not. There's actually a version that they showed on A&E or something, I think, that had all the cutscenes put back in it once. It was on cable. I had the nudity removed. It had everything else reinstated in it. Wow, that's interesting. Oh, no. The Terminators are coming. Do you have an app running on your phone? I think I opened an app on my phone, and next thing I knew, the the aerial bound HKs are coming. 
My only complaint of uh, the Terminator here is, uh, I, are you with me? Did he he kind of stole a foofy bike, don't you think? The uh, the shield kind of makes it look bad. Yeah. Then again, if you ever ride a bike without a shield, mm-hmm. your chest gets so fucking welted and beat. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about Reese going to the store and only buying explosives, uh, ingredients, no food, like not, like not even a bag of chips for them to eat? Well, you would think they'd be hungry. Yeah. Cause she even said, I'm starving. What's for dinner? And he says, plastic. Yeah. Yeah. I just like how once again in the eighties, there's not an eighties movie out there, especially an action movie where they didn't have to stop for the obligatory sex scene. Yeah, that is weird. That's kind of like a different change in our culture. Like back then, when people are, were, you know, especially when there's a man or a woman put into these high pressure situations, it was like common thought that they would give into the stress and bond and have sex. Now, nobody has sex at all, ever. And even R-rated movies, nobody has sex. What do you think about I kind of side with the 80s side. I think if you're with this woman... Anything can happen. You could die at any moment. I think you would have sex, wouldn't you? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. I mean, even in the 80s comedies, they were having sex. Exactly. Nowadays, they don't have it, period. Yeah, I, I really don't understand the sexless world. Then again, like, all films now are made to go play in communist China where they have strict rules about that sort of shit. So I think maybe that's what it is. They just don't want to offend other countries, but... I don't know, man. Like, I don't see, I don't see real life or cinema life any need for it to be so sexless and pure. In the eighties, after Captain America had just escaped the Winter Soldier, he would have fucked the Black Widow. He would have, uh, and, and and like and maybe like because everybody nobody has sex anymore or whatever. Maybe that's why everybody's so hung up on trying to make you know what does Avengers mean to women and all this. It's like. If, if men and women were just enjoying themselves and loving each other physically and just like, maybe we wouldn't have all these damn problems now. That's right. How come Batman didn't have sex with Catwoman? Yeah. Okay, see, that's a exact situation. Like, you're telling me that this woman that robbed him, all this, then at the end he's putting his life and his trust in her and he's running away with her. Why would he do that unless he had sex with her? Come on, that's just mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah, because Anne Hathaway ain't that hot. No, not at all. I'll be I'll be honest with you, cousin. I'll I'll take Linda Hamilton in this movie over Anne Hathaway any day. Oh, hands down. Tough turf, James Bader. His dad gets shot, and it's, instead of visiting him at the hospital, he goes and has sex with that Kim Richards. Exactly. That's how you do it in the eighties, baby. By the way, bring up Tough Turf. That's a movie I would love to one day finally do a commentary for. Yeah, that's a great... I love that movie. I got the Anchor Bay. Me too. I can't remember. I think there may be an announcement of it coming to blue or something. I'm not... I can't remember. I would probably get that on Blu-ray just because I'm a big fan. I would hope it would have a commentary or something. I still remember the Anchor Bay being bare-boned. Yeah, it was super bare. And that was at a time when Anchor Bay put a lot of special features, too. And that was yeah, That's when they are putting out like all the Argento movies and all that shit. Yeah. Now here, Reese, he, he gets he gets upset because he accidentally admitted to Sarah that he's in love with her. That, you know, in the future, he was just always thinking about being with her and stuff. 
And then, he, and then, you know, he thinks she's going to flip out, so he gets angry and starts shoving all the bombs real hard into the duffel bag. You were the only woman I ever saw, even though it was a picture that had teeth and wasn't dirty. Yeah. <laughs> and you looked like from the movie Flashdance in that photo. <laughs> that little band around your head. Yeah. Speaking of which, I got an email Let me know that uh, the local auditorium here is, is pretty soon going to have flash dance and musical. I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah, I never saw flash dance. It's pretty good. It's about a woman who works in a steel mill welding who wants to be a dancer, but she like I wouldn't go as far to call her a stripper, but she really is a stripper at night. Like she does that sexy dance where she dances on the chair and then pulls a chain and water falls all over her. I kind of want to see that part live on stage, but that's about it. Maybe Elizabeth Berkeley will play her in the movie. Oh, I would love that. This is actually a good sex scene. People forget that Linda Hamilton actually shows her breast in there. I mean, this, uh, you know, you're only young once. If you're an actor and actress, show, you know, show your breast, show your nudity. You know, you're not going to look any better later in life. Show it while mm-hmm. you got it, you know? I wonder if Monica Bellucci going to show us anything in the James Bond movie. Maybe she would if, because, uh, you know, she's a European woman. She has no problem nudity. But, uh, you know, again, people love that PG-13, so you ain't going to see nothing. Is there is there any truth? To, I've heard a rumor before the action gets going that one of the members of Spectre is the Tennille. <laughs> I've actually heard that, too, from a number of sources. But even if it was, I don't think he'll be able to work his magic in a PG-13 film. No, probably. Maybe in the director's cut DVD. Exactly. If if you get the Dutch import or something. Yeah. Or the fog Japanese print. Exactly. Arnold, he busts into the hotel room here. Obviously, they're not there. But he shot the place up all good. Yeah, much like... The Terminator is very much like a wild E. Coyote as he keeps showing up but gets stopped. Yeah. Well, the, well, the fair ter- I think Terminators are, are very... Uh, Terminators don't have to be the best killers, per se. They just have to be persistent. That's where their danger comes into play, I think. See, that was my only bitch with Furious 7 was that Jason Statham kept showing up. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for him to have a box of like an Acme rocket or something to launch at one of the cars. He was one of those bad guys who wanted to be caught just so he could show you that you couldn't catch him. Yeah. I think this is a pretty... I always like this part. Like, it's, I think this has been ripped off in a lot of films later. But I like this part where the guy's chasing after him and they're trying to hit him with bombs. But, you know, obviously they're going too fast to the bombs. Like, they're not hitting him. I think this is, you know, for a low-budget movie, this is kind of good when some of these, like, little bombs go off in this tunnel and shit. Well, he's on a bike, so he can maneuver around them real easy. Yeah. And plus, like, you know, it's almost like a video game right here. Like, the difficulty is trying to, you know, because the little fuse is burning slow. you got to try to throw it at the right time. What he needed to do was wait till he was by a car and then hug it and blow it all up. Mm. But I don't get why his plan was to throw these bombs at him for the simple fact he blew up a car on the guy and it didn't kill him. So what right. do you think this homemade anarchist cookbook uh, bomb is going to do? Well, I think the car was just a big billow of flame that came out. Whereas 
He's actually tr- like literally trying to break him apart with these these bombs here because you know they're going to explode and do more damage. Plus, I guess in his defense, he didn't know. He even said, "I don't know if it can be killed with the weapons in this time." So yeah, I was disappointed like here that Arnold didn't use his forty-five long side laser sighting some more. I'm sad he didn't have the plasma rifle with a forty-watt range. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty badass there, how they just drug Arnold, like, you know, Sarah Connor, like, made him crash the motorcycle. I like how he always, I like how he gets up so slow, too. Yeah. Very much in the vein of, like, a horror movie, like a Jason or a Michael, Michael Myers more so. Yeah. And he gets run over by the truck. I think this, like, after getting hit by the truck, I think that was the first time where he actually really got damaged. Like, before everything else was just damaged to his skin, you know, where this is, like, actually screwing up his skeleton and shit. Because he took a beating here toward the end. Yeah. Like, wrecking the motorcycle and then getting hit by this truck. Because he still hasn't crawled out yet. I, it bothered me that they were still watching. I'd have been, like, so far run going. Yeah. Well, Reese has passed out. That's why she can't get him going. And she's in, in disbelief that after all that, he's still going. Uh, the makeup looks cool here. I think it actually looks better than the T2 makeup. Yeah. T2 makeup, I watched it on Blu-ray recently. I was a little disappointed by how obvious the makeup was. I'll have to watch that one, though. Just around the house is like, uh, fortunately, it was a 90s film. Yeah. Man, that's a that's a dangerous thing right there, a Terminator with a gas truck. See, now that would be an easy target. I'd blow up the truck. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's pretty much what they do, but... Well, yeah. But I'm saying... What, oh, it, 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 you're giving spoilers. Yeah, well, I mean, I think people have seen this movie already if they're listening to the 1980s movie Graveyard Podcast. But just, what I was thinking is just, if he could crash, like, even if you were in a building, he could crash that whole truck in the building and blow it all up. Oh, yeah. That much gasoline. Kind of surprised that no asshole terrorist has ever done that, to be honest with you. Didn't they do it in, like, that New York uh, parking garage? That was just more, uh, it wasn't a gas truck, it just, I think it was just more big bombs that were just in regular, like, SUVs or whatever. And here's where he blow, finally blows it up. Yeah. There's a little pipe. It's kind of fucked that he jumps in the dumpster for cover and lets Sarah just run around by herself. Well, what's really stupid, if he would have just put a banana in the tailpipe. Exactly. I have a feeling <laughs> we'll be talking about that one day. I mean, think about it, that really would have fucked him up. It would have. Bam. That's a long-ass fuse on that car. Yeah. It's a pretty good explosion, too, for being a fake little miniature truck. Oh, yeah. Now, now, what do you think? I kind of think, like, when you see stuff like this, even though you know it's, like, a fake little truck, but there's still it still looks real. All the fire is 100% real. I kind of prefer that little bit of fakeness that's in there over the completely fake CGI look. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you can, you can tell fake fire and stuff like that. Yeah, and CGI. Like, this is amazing, the amount of fire that, obviously, the stuntman is walking through and has on him himself. It's pretty amazing. 
because he, and now you're just going to see the skeleton. Yeah. Also, I remember as a kid, like, I mean, Arnold was awesome and everything, but once you saw that skeleton as a little kid, you just went crazy. Like, it was so yeah. cool. Plus, that's the point where it got kind of freaky. Yeah, dude. And, like, you know what I mean? Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I, think, I think the skeleton is really, like, the imaginative point, and, like, like it was smart for Cameron to save that to the end, and I think once you see the skeleton it just, in this movie, you know, because it's, it's actually a surprise, like, the skeletons in the later ones, even though they look cool and everything, they just, I don't know, it, it just never had the effect as when you saw it the first time, obviously. What disturbs me is the Terminator sells more than the average WWE wrestler getting beat up in the ring. <laughs> exactly. There's there's Reese. Yeah, I mean, obviously you have like all the fake deaths of the Terminator here. You like you said, it very is, uh, but you know, kind of done in the action sci-fi genre. But it really is like Halloween. Yeah, this this one always had a very much a horror feel to it. Yeah, I agree. The later ones didn't. You know, I'll tell you a cyborg movie that I thought looked worked really good was Class of 1999. Yeah, it did. That was was that eighties? Unfortunately, not. Damn. Are you sure? I'm a thousand percent sure. Because I actually looked it up. Here we have a great mixture of the uh, full size, you know, puppet and the uh, the uh, you know the miniature. Oh. I'm seeing a 1989 date on this. It's a borderline one for Class 99. Let's see it. I'm, I'm looking up the release date. You might, you may be right about that one, cousin. We could we could cover the whole franchise almost of that one. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know, cousin. Uh, um, IMDb's got the year 1989 wikipedia i'm getting a may 11th 1990 release date for class 99 that's why i always thought it was 90 i have to check my dvd yep oh here we go film oh no film was originally scheduled for release october 6 89 however vestron's financial turmoil resorted Resorting the film being sold to Taurus in March 90. Taurus eventually released the film the theatrical on May 11th, 1990. Yeah, I remember actually seeing that in the theater and wondering how the hell it was playing in the theater. Yeah, I wish I could have. Because I, I knew about the film from Fangoria. And then I was waiting and waiting. And then when it got released, it, it didn't play around me. Bucket played everywhere around here. Really? Mm-hmm. You must have been in like the area where those type of films made all their money or something. No, but what's weird is I don't remember movies like Tough Turf and that playing here. I don't remember Tough Turf either. I saw that on HBO. And, like, that's the Hard- type of movie I would have seen if it was playing. Hardware played here. So did Henry. Yeah. Because those all kind of came. I think those two came out that same year. They had that little bit of X-rated controversy. I know Hardware played where I live because I saw it in the theater. I think that movie's okay at best. No, I love it. I have the disc. I do, too. Uh, one of those Tandy Radio Shack robots right there. Mm-hmm. The Cyberdyne Robotics Factory here is where they're at. And I gotta say, they did a great job of puppeteering this, uh, 
you know, this half body version here. It actually looks convincingly like it's alive. Like, you know. Yeah, as long as you do, if they, the tight shots look great. Sometimes when they do a little more of a full pan, it doesn't look as good. But yeah, tight yeah. shots of that, especially that skeleton there, the, the head looks really awesome. And the close-up on the eyes and all that, like scanning around, very good. This guy sells better than Dolph Ziggler. I'll agree with that. Do you think Brock Lesnar could uh, do a F5 on the Terminator? Yeah, I think he could. You don't think that heavy metal skeleton would like weigh like a thousand pounds? No, I think Brock could do it. Just don't, just don't do a curb stomp on the Terminator. That's too dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that's too, too dangerous. I was reading somewhere that they don't let that guy do that move anymore. No, it's too they dangerous. don't. And ever since I heard that, he never did it ever again. Where he used to do it four or five times a match. I remember seeing him do it a few times. Thought it looked kind of cool, actually. It did. Be at the RKO where you jack someone's neck in half. That that's not that's too dangerous. Vince says that's okay. Pretty soon the finishers are just going to be leg drops and elbows. Pretty much where they're at now. This is actually, even though you you can tell the way it's done, the like whatever projection screen where Reese is fighting the Terminator, like those shots actually look decent too. Mm-hmm. Like there's just like that little bit of darkness that always was on projection screen scenes like that. That's also, I mean, it didn't look as good, but that's kind of how they did when they fought Freddy's skeleton in Part Three. Remember that one? Yeah. Um... At the very end of the auto graveyard. Yeah. It says the same. It's such an awesome robot. Had to get blown apart on camera. But it's still not done. See, now it's selling better than Kevin Owens. <laughs> Kevin and Owens not, never sells. And it's not dedicating its kills to its family every week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That's painful. How that guy's sweeping the nation of fandom, I have no clue. I never figured out how Dana Bryant swept the nation. Mm-mm. One cornball at a time, apparently. At least Bray Wyatt was kind of cool. For a little bit, and then they ran him to the ground, too. Mm-hmm. All he right. wore the extra props from your next. <laughs> yes, he did. He stole them from the set. Let's see... Yeah, they, they, WWE should make people watch this movie. They can learn how to sell. Exactly. I'm trying to look up the box office for this film to see how well it did. I would think it was a uh, moderate success, maybe. But everybody I know saw it on cable. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing the production budget listed at six point four million. In the U.S., it made. A little over 38 million worldwide or foreign it made 40 so it made a total of 78 million that's really good on a six million dollar budget though i guess six million nowadays is like two hundred dollars yeah and i remember yeah exactly and i remember that there was really no advertising for this movie before it came out you know just previews at your theater and that was it yeah i, I really didn't know what it was till i saw it on cable yeah it was like now if they made this movie they'd have to spoil it all in the trailer you know I hate that in trailers. They show you the ending of the movies. Yeah, same with the... That's actually Genesis. When you see that movie, there's not one... And it's funny, because when you watch the movie, they play it up like, ooh, it's a big surprise. But it's like every single plot twist in that Genesis has been uh, ruined by commercials that they played nonstop. Mm-hmm. 
Well, too. I remember like Terminator too. I know I, I wanted to see in the theater, but like you said, it's a big. That was when there was such a thing as a summer movie. When it was right. like not one summer movie a week, but it was one summer blockbuster, and that and, was it that year. And it played for months too. Now, now like, uh, uh, what's it called? Like, well, Fast Seven, like that. That is like what the number four movie of all time. That was only in the no, theaters it's, for it's a month. Number, it is officially number three now. Wow, number three, and it still was only in the theaters for a month. I, I, it's the only movie in the top ten that's not a sequel to something, too. No, not true. I take that back. The Avengers uh, 2 made it in there. All right. Here we go. Reese is dead. Blew himself up in the explosion to kill the Terminator. Sacrificed himself to Sarah, but the, the chassis... And this is like the point where it just got really ridiculous when you're just like, it, like, you know, I mean, we obviously we know it's a machine. We've been watching the skeleton walk around, but this really sold the fact that like, you have to come like almost like a zombie. I'd say you have to destroy every single tiny piece of it. That's what you have to go. You're terminated, fucker. That was a great one liner too. I thought. And they were saying like this part where they crush it. And, like, there's, like, a little bit of smoke or whatever that comes out of its head. They're saying that, yeah, there's the smoke right there. They said they had to have a guy, like, off the corner, like, smoking a cigarette, blowing it in front of it. <laughs> See, nowadays they wouldn't do that. They'd be a fog machine. Yeah. That'd be CG smoke. CG smoke. By the way, besides CG fire being the fakest thing, I think CG smoke is the fakest looking thing I've ever seen. Now, isn't this the deal where they, the guy keeps the hand and yeah. that's how they use the, okay. And the hand, like in T2, all they have left is the hand and the chip that they got out of the head. Because they, I mean, they flattened the chip and it, it was damaged too. There's like a, a hunk missing out of it in T2. But, uh, but you know, the chip, the way the head laid, like, you know, the, the chip didn't get completely destroyed, you know. I wonder where they buried Reese. Yeah, I don't know. I, I assume because he was like a nobody in terms of like they had no records of him, nobody to call. He probably buried him wherever, like, the corners bury all the homeless people, wouldn't you think? Yeah, that'd be the only thing I could think of. Unless she popped for money for a funeral, but... Yeah. But I, it, I have a feeling she probably didn't keep her job as a waitress. No, it's, it seemed like she probably just got out of town right away. She sold her scooter, obviously, or she just stole that car. Got an old Jeep. And a dog. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's the same dog from the no-tail motel and she I was, stole it. I was thinking that, too. It kind of looks like him, don't you think? A little bit. Now she's packing guns. And, like, I'll never understand it, but if you find a behind-the-scenes book on, on this scene here, there's actually, like, five little um, kids that play this little Mexican boy here. It's strange. Okay. And if, if you watch it closely, you can tell from shot to shot there's different ones. It's weird. I have no clue, but I think there's like four different boys that played it. Because you can tell they're all different sizes and shit from shot to shot. I like... Uh, they have piñatas hanging everywhere. Not only that, but Tecate beer can piñatas. What little kid wants a beer can piñata for their birthday party? Yeah, I, don't, I don't get that one. Yeah. I don't get why she's recording every single thing. Yeah. Like, I get it for the plot development, but if you really think about it, I don't get why, because... I can't remember how she lost custody of him, didn't she? Because they put yeah. her in a loony bin. She tried to blow up something. Well, like, yeah, she, yeah, she tried. I think she tried to blow up Cyberdyne or something. But um, 
it, like they explained it, like, it seemed like he was with her for most of those years. It seemed like maybe it was only like a year that he was away from her. Because he didn't really like it because he kept moving around. She was like, yeah. kept teaching him how to hotwire stuff and kill things. And like he said, she kept shacking up with different guys who could teach her shit. I'm like, okay, there's one little boy there, takes the picture. Supposedly behind the head there is a different little boy. I wonder why. Yeah, I don't know. Supposedly they said something about the kids could only do certain things, which is, I, I just, it's weird. Probably one family, they had six kids, and they all needed a $5 payday. Yeah, and I think like they had to have like another little kid do the voice or something. And what, That seems like a big hassle. It does. Watch the, watch him run away, though. You can definitely tell when he runs away, it's a different kid. Not right here, that's still the same kid. But watch, right there. You can tell that's a different yeah, oh, kid yeah. right there. Where are you, is she in Mexico here? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, she really hid. Because, you, you know, Mexico probably took longer to get everything online, all the records and whatever. Mm-hmm. And plus, I, I doubt in the early 80s you would need your American social security number in Mexico. Yeah. I, obviously, it's a painting or something, but I always thought this was a great shot of the mountains and stuff. One, and I like how it ends, because it's like, you never expect a sequel, but it's, you know, you're yeah. driving into impending doom, so to speak. Exactly. It just was a great place to leave it. And then Harlan and Ellison sued him, so they had to put that little credit, thanking him, even though he... What did him for? I can't remember. Was it the screenplay or something? Yeah, they claimed that the whole just story concept was based on, a, I think, a short story or something he wrote, so... So, yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much it for the Terminator. I know you probably didn't learn a lot from that, but what can you really learn from the Terminator at this point in time? Everything's been said about it. But that's kind of the point of the 1980s movie Graveyard. Uh, you know, it's it's just capturing a raw and real conversation that you would have with friends while you're watching a movie. I, you, well, obviously it's no secret. You know, we went all the way through time to record this commentary, but uh, I was really looking forward to this one, weren't you, Corey? Oh yeah, so much so I had to buy the movie twice. Exactly. Did you ever find your other copy of it? Never looked. Uh, maybe if you time, maybe if we time, we time travel back yet again, we can find your original copy of it. Yeah, you know, this one came in the mail, so it, about the time I go to put this one away, I'm sure is where I'll find the other one and go. Oh, <laughs> there it was all the time. It was sitting next to Jackass. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It was just out of order. It was behind T3. <laughs> Got it. And I'm looking. I'm like, okay, T2, T3, T Salvation. What the fuck? Yeah, where'd it go? <laughs> well, that could picture the box, too. Right. Well, that, that kind of shows that it's the best one in the series, that when a burglar breaks into your house and has all the Terminator films to steal, he'll only steal the first one. Yeah, I, two I don't have on the Blu-ray, actually. I have that, uh, the steel, have that box. steel box yeah. one that came out with all that, God, yeah. tons of extra stuff. Yeah, I actually, um, I've there's been like a million releases of the um, T2 on Blue, and everybody really, because it was like one of the very first movies that come out, so a lot of people criticized some of the early disc. I actually, uh, talk about the highest quality, I actually have a uh, Japanese import that I got just for the steel, but it comes with like, it's, it's kind of like that steel box one with the slip cover, but it's like actually the case looks just like that. And, uh, supposedly the Japanese one has the best picture quality of all the blues. So I got lucky with that. 
what was the um because that's come out now and yeah there's how many versions of t2 out there now as far as the american releases i think four I remember when The Matrix first came out on Blu-ray and everybody said that was the movie to own. I wasn't too overly thrilled with the way those blues looked. Yeah. I have them, but I don't even even think I've ever watched them, to be honest with you. You know, I like the first Matrix. I'm not a fan of the second and third one. I just really like part one. I'm with you. And, like, maybe it's just me, but kind of like with the Terminator sequels, if you watch all the Matrix movies, I feel like two and three don't even feel like real... Uh, sequels the the way part one was because part don't even make sense no but even the action like the action is like i don't know like like aside from just like a couple nipple shots or something i really do believe that they made the matrix sequels to be pg-13 because they're not nearly as hard violent hard edge as part one was no they're almost comic book like yeah plus i never figured out how he learned how to fly (laughs) yeah exactly well, I think he kind of flies at the end of part one. but That's I how it ends, where he jumps yeah. out of the phone book and flies. And Orion... Not, none of them made sense to me. I just like part one for the sheer violence. Yeah, I agree. The action scenes are good and violent. So that was an Orion Pictures release. Terminator... I'm I'm going to go as said one of the most perfect movies of all time. Just like, even if you're not in a genre movies that much, as a film student, if you watch this, it's perfectly paced, perfectly shot. The... You know, it really hits its emotions well, you know? Oh, yeah. Good. Even even by today's standards, I mean, they don't blow up an entire city, but I feel like the action that is in there is actually more interesting and more puts you more into the story and the characters than if they would have blown up an entire city, you know? Oh, I put it right up there with Furious 7. <laughs> You're not going to put it slightly higher above Furious 7? No. Because he says, I'll be back, where Vin Diesel goes, you think this was a street fight? You're damn right it is. Uh, to, again, we're talking about The Rock playing the Terminator. To me, Vin Diesel, if you're going to re- restart the Terminator series in the whatever early 2000s, I would have thought he would have been the clear choice, but apparently that never happened. He's going to play Kojak. Is he? Is he going to have the, he says. He going to have the little sucker in his mouth. <laughs> he better. He better have that lollipop or it won't be Kojak. That's the only thing Kojak's famous for. So I think it's about time we close the gates of the first ever. How do you feel about the first ever? And thank God we got a second chance of this because we really blew it last time. But you can see, you can hear us blow it last time next week through the curious wonders of time travel. But how do you feel about the first ever episode of the 1980s movie Graveyard? I think it was top notch. Would you say? And I don't and, I, and for once, I don't think I ever I said a single thing that would alienate listeners from coming back to part two. That's great because we really need the ratings to be high, or else we'll just get discouraged and give up on this, and we don't want that to happen. We've lost too many friends as it is. Exactly. We we only want to make shows that are the highest quality. Mm-hmm. This side of any damn podcast maker. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the plan for the show. Yeah. Let's talk about the Facebook page, 1980s Movie Graveyard. If you're on Facebook, give us a like so you can see our posts. Every single day we're putting up at least two posts. 
things that are going to remind you of a film from the 80s. We're talking about you'll see classic rare posters. You'll see classic uh, trailers. We've got the Graveyard Trailer of the Week. We have little interview snippets. I mean, you know, if you're really tired of the bullshit movies that come out now, we're going to be a resource for you to really enjoy, you know, all the great movies of the 80s. Which, I mean, I don't know. I've thought long and hard about it. I still think, you know... Overall, the 70s were great for serious films and all that. But as far as the overall films out there of every genre, I think the 80s was the best decade. Yeah, hands down. So, yeah, so stay tuned to what we got going on Facebook. And stay tuned, subscribe to the podcast, hit the like button, do whatever. Leave us a review on iTunes if you want to. Anything you want to do to reach out, interact with us, we appreciate it. You can email us at slowhandradio at gmail.com. You can also listen to all the other fine Slow Hand Radio movie-related podcasts at slowhandradio.com. All right, that's it. It's, it's, almost, it's almost like we're cultivating a vault here, wouldn't you say? There's something like that. Like, there's going to be a whole bunch. Yeah. So, all right, everybody signing off. This is the GOAT, Corey this G. Corey G. And we'll see you next time.